0: Scripture reading for the reading of the Catechism is 1 Thessalonians 4, 1-12. This is the word of God. Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lusts like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgresses and wrongs his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an an avenger in all these things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us to impurity, but in holiness, Therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you. You yourselves have been taught by God to love one another, for that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to do so more and more, and to aspire to live quietly, and to mind your own affairs, and to work with your hands as we instructed you. So that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. We're also going to read from Lord's Day 49 in the Heidelberg Catechism. Question and answer 124. What does the third petition mean? Your will be done on earth as in his heaven means help us and all people to renounce our own wills and without any backtalk to obey your will for it alone is good. Help everyone carry out his office and calling as willingly and faithfully as the angels in heaven. The sermon that I'm going to read this afternoon uh, was prepared by Rev. Stephen Tahart of the Free Reformed Church in Australia. Congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray, Your will be done on earth as it is heaven, what do we mean? What is God's will? And what is God's will for me in my life, in my situation? Many Christians tend to to treat the discovering of God's will for their lives as a bit of a treasure hunt. God has a special plan for my life, they will say, and my job is to find out what that plan is. Once I discover what that special plan is, then I will be living according to God's will, and all will be good. And those who think this way often base this on Jeremiah 29.11, which says, quoting from the NIV, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. That is a great Bible verse, by the way. To be understood, though, in the context of God's promise to Israel when they were in exile in Egypt, that after seven years he would bring them back to Jerusalem. But then this Bible verse is seen to be a blanket promise for prosperity and for a good life, a hope, and a future so long as you find out what God's special plan for you really is. But what a sad way this would be to live your lives. How uncertain and anxious we would be if we were always trying to figure out God's special plan. His will for us was, and never really knowing if we got it right. But brothers and sisters, when we pray to the Lord, your will be done, we are not asking God to help us discover his plan for our lives. But rather, as we confess in Lord's Day 49, we are praying that we and all men may deny our own will, and without any murmuring, obey your will, for it alone is good. We are not called to discover special signs to learn God's will, but rather we are called to obey what he has revealed to us in his holy word, the Bible. And that is what I wish to preach to you this afternoon as we consider the third petition of the Lord's Prayer, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I preach to you the word of God under the following themes. The Lord God reveals us his will, and he calls us to pray that we might do it. And there's two points. We, were, we are to hear God's will, and we are to obey God's will. To hear God's will. So how does God make his will known to you today? Have you ever heard someone say something like, God sent me to live here, or God told me to take some time off and take a holiday, or God told me to start this new job? Some people speak with such conviction that this is what God told me to do, and some are even able to tell you verbatim what God exactly said. What are we to think about this? How does God reveal His good will to us? How can I be sure that I am following His will and not my own? In the Old Testament, God spoke to people in dreams. There was the Urim and the Thummim. There were seers or prophets. There was the written word of God, and God spoke directly to people. But what about today? Does he have a special message for each one of us individually that we need to follow in order to be his good will for our life? How does God let his, know, his will be known to us today? Some people practice what we would call a mechanical way to discover God's will. When they are faced with a dilemma, or they want to know God's will for a certain situation, they will open the Bible and either pick the first verse that they set their eyes on, or read parts of the Bible until a particular verse hits them in a special way. This, then, is God's special message for their situation. But the Lord God does not give us His word to use it in this way. And the problem is that Bible text may quickly be taken out of context. Others will speak about hanging out the fleece, which is a reference to how Gideon put out a fleece to receive a sign from the Lord that he should fight against the Midianites and would win. Based on Gideon's request for a sign, many Christians will seek special signs from the Lord for direct or confirmation, for direction or confirmation for a decision to be made. But the Lord did not say that we ought to follow Gideon in this manner, nor will he give us a special sign for every major decision we need to make. Another, perhaps more popular approach to discerning God's will is to listen to his still, small voice. That idea comes from 1 Kings 19, verse 12. When God spoke with Elijah, he was not in the wind, the earthquake, or the fire, but spoke in a still, small voice. The idea then is to put to other thoughts, is to put all other thoughts out of your mind and quietly wait for the Lord to speak to you. In tying this into 1 Samuel 3, where the Lord calls Samuel, it is, where the Lord calls Samuel, it is appropriate to say, speak Lord, for your servant is listening. And then through this method, God will give you feelings or intuitions, or hopefully he'll even speak to you in a clear, audible voice. And then you are well on your way to discovering God's secret for your life, and so you will prosper in all your ways. However, the Word of God, as summarized in the Catechism, does not give us such lessons on how to discern the will of God. The Catechism sticks to what is confessed in Article 7 of the Belgian Confession. We believe that this Holy Scripture fully contains the will of God, and that all men must believe and that all that man must be believed in order to be saved is sufficiently taught therein. Which means, since the Bible fully contains God's will, we do not need to, or more strongly, we should not seek special signs and omens or a direct revelation from God so that we can discern God's will and act accordingly. All we need to know regarding regarding God's will for our lives can be found in the pages of the Bible. What then can we say about seeking God's will for our lives? When we talk about our will and God's will, we need to make some distinctions. First of all, we need to distinguish between God's mind and our minds. Romans 11.34, the Apostle Paul asks in wonderment, For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has become his counselor? What we need to understand is that we are human, God is not. And when we compare our human smallness to God's greatness, then we cannot even pretend to begin to understand the full mind of God. And from that it follows that we will not fully understand what is in God's will or what will happen in our lives. And that brings us to another distinction. We must distinguish between the secret or concealed will of God and the revealed will of God. The secret will of God has to do with His providence and the way he governs and directs this world. We do not know who God has elected from eternity. We do not know why a tower fell in Siloam in the days of Jesus and killed 18 people. We do not know why disease and other illnesses are affecting us today. We do not know why this this one or that one was killed in a car accident, or another one suffered at the hands of an abusive uncle. God has not promised to reveal those things to us. We cannot comprehend the mind of God. And it is not for us to pry into these matters, nor wait for some still small voice to let us know what God is thinking. An old heresy that was already there in the the times of the New Testament, called Gnosticism, is the belief that there must be some sort of secret to unlock, some sort of key to find, so that we can understand the mind and will of God. And if only we could work out what that key was, if only we could discover how he would speak to us today, like man to man, and to let us know what is on his mind and what he wants to do, then I would know and understand God's special plan, his will for my life. And then I would indeed prosper and all would be well. But what does Deuteronomy 29.29 say? The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. There is the distinction. The secret will of the Lord is secret. We do not know it, and we do not need to know it, but He has given given to us His revealed will, the words of His law. The third petition is, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This will of God is not His secret will. What God has decided and will happen. Rather, it refers to God's revealed will. What He has already told us and commanded us to do. In Colossians 1.9, the Apostle Paul prays that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. What does it mean to be filled with the knowledge of His will? To have that still, small voice speak to you? To have a dream? To receive some special revelation from the Lord? No, says verse 10. It is that you walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. That is God's will for your life. The way we discern... What the will of God for our life is, be filled with the knowledge of God as he has revealed it to us in his holy word. It is God's word that teaches us what the Lord's will is for each of us. It is the Holy Spirit that makes it clear to us what God's will is. And he works that in us through the preaching of his word. God's good will has been revealed to us in his word. And when we pray, thy will be done, we are praying that through the power of the Holy Spirit who dwells in us, we might obey the will of God as it has already been given to us in his word. But what about those texts in the Bible that are used to promote the need to hear God's voice speaking to us directly? Gideon putting on the fleece in Judges 6. Samuel praying in 1 Samuel 3. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening and 1 Kings 19, where God speaks to Elijah in that still small voice. Don't they teach us that there must be more? That there is a key, a way to discover more, to learn how God wants to live my life? No, they do not. The mistake that people make when they use these verses to promote a method to discern God's will is that they confuse the facts of history of salvation as given to us in the Bible with the commands in which God tells us how we must live and act. Samuel was set apart for a special purpose. The word of the Lord was rare in those days and there was no widespread revelation. Samuel was trying to channel his spirit to be in tune with God's so that he m- might receive some special message from the Lord. Samuel wasn't trying to channel his spirit to be in tune with God so that he might receive some special special message from the Lord. He was asleep. But in that time and place in the history of salvation, God spoke to Samuel, and Samuel in turn humbly told the Lord that he was ready to hear the word spoken to him, and that he would receive it as the word of the Lord. In the same way, 1 Kings 19 was never intended to teach us that God will speak directly to us in that still small voice just as Exodus 20 does not teach us that God will speak to us through thunder, lightning, a smoking mountain, and the sound of a trumpet. And the fleece that Gideon put out is not a lesson in how we must ask for a sign from the Lord to tell us which way to turn. Rather, it was a message to Gideon that God had the power to save his people from the hand of Midian. Those events of Gideon, Samuel, and Elijah are all facts things that happened in the history of salvation. They are not a blueprint for how the Lord will speak to us today. In fact, the New Testament teaches us that the normal, ordained way of God to speak to us by His Spirit is through the Word, which is in Romans 10, and the sacraments, Matthew 28, 1 Corinthians 11, and Ephesians 5. So these are not ways to understand understand God's will for our lives. But there are times in our lives, particularly times when we need to make a large, life-changing decision, that we really do want to know what God's will is, is, so that we can follow it. And here are some questions to ask that would help you make godly decisions. For example, is it lawful? Does the Bible forbid it? You obviously do not have to ask if you should marry or date an unbeliever. The Bible is clear on that. In cases such as that, accept the answer that God has already given to you in his word. Another question to ask is, is it wise? Is it helpful? Is it a good use of resources? Will it build you or others up in the service of the Lord? And another question, will it open me up to temptation? If you move somewhere or take a particular job or go to certain places, Will it encourage you in your walk with the Lord? Or will it put you in a place that's spiritually dangerous? Another question. Will it hinder or serve my main purpose or goal in life to live for the glory of God's name? And then there are further questions to consider as your own personal God-given gifts. Where is the need? What do you like to do? whether or not doors are open for you, and then again, what do you wish to do? So these questions can help you make a decision in conformity with God's will. But I'd like to point to you something more basic than that. God's will, His perfect will for your life, has been revealed. It is this, to live in faithfulness to the covenant God established with us, and so love the Lord your God. And love your neighbor as yourself. And in that, of course, is the command to worship the Lord your God in the manner that he has revealed in his word. There is no treasure hunt here, no desperate searching to discover the will of God, no being trapped in a circle or waiting for God to speak, but never quite being sure if he really did speak to you or not. It is simply an acceptance of the word of God as he has revealed it to us, and the acceptance that all decisions we make in life must be in agreement with that word. Now we are to obey God's will. The prayer, your will be done, is one of the things that makes the Christian religion stand out from almost all other religions. The reason why most pagans pray or sacrifice to their gods is to manipulate the gods to follow the will or the desires of the person praying. When we pray, however, we ask that our will be brought in line with God's. This is not a natural thing to do. By nature, we hate God and our neighbor. By nature, we rebel against God's will. As Christ said to the Jews in John 8, you are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. Now, thanks be to God, we have received a new nature in Christ. We have been set free from sin and become slaves to God. But what we now have is two natures, an old nature that still clings to us and a new nature. And for as long as we are in this life, the sinful desires of the old nature will arise in our hearts in conflict to our desire to obey the will of God as willingly and faithfully as the angels in heaven. For as long as we are in this life, our selfish will and desires will be in conflict with God's revealed will for my life. And to overcome that struggle and willingly obey God's will, we need the Holy Spirit to teach through His word what His will is for us. And that is a process. It requires work. In some ways, it would be easier if we had a direct intercom service with God and where He spoke directly to us and told us plainly what we should do with our lives. But that is not the way God planned it to be. Remember Colossians one nine: We do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. The knowledge of God's will is clearly knowing His revealed will the manner in which we must live. That's outlined in the Bible, and through the work of the Holy Spirit, it becomes clear to us. But this is not just knowledge. Paul also prays for wisdom and spiritual understanding. This knowledge of God's will is not some theoretical head knowledge of the Bible. Even Satan has that. And nor is it a collection of secret knowledge or keys where we can unlock some code of the Bible to let us enter the mind of God and discover just what his will for me is in a specific situation. Rather, this knowledge is an understanding and love for the gospel, how God has redeemed us to a new life in Jesus Christ, how God has chosen us to be a people after his own heart, how God has called us to belong to him, to follow him, to obey Him, to praise Him, and to glorify Him. And with that knowledge of His revealed will, God gives us wisdom so that we might learn to discern and make decisions that agree with His will and glorify Him. So what do you need to do in order to obey God's will for your life? Learn about God and His will by studying His Word. No, do not pull individual texts out of their context and think that somehow God has mysteriously told you exactly what to do. And also, do not simply read the Bible at mealtimes and then put it to the side, failing to ask what it has to say about the decisions you must make in life. There is something to be said about being quiet before the Lord to put the busyness of life aside, and all those thoughts that compete to crowd out God's Word from your mind. Ponder and reflect deeply on the Word, and wrestle with its decisions in prayer. And in this way we will walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him. Everything we do and every decision we make will be in harmony harmony with our new relationship to God. So then, what is God's will for your life? what should you be doing? It is simply this. Trust God. Love Him and serve Him. And love your neighbor as yourself. And hallow God's name, directing your whole life so that His name is honored and praised. And be ruled by God's Word and Spirit so that more and more you submit to Him. By doing this, you will obey the Word of God as it has been revealed to you in His Word. And the better you understand God's Word and the implications of it, the better you will understand what God desires. But within those boundaries, there is a huge amount of freedom. Within these boundaries, you can do what you like. God gave each of us a brain, and He expects, to put it, he expects us to put it to good use. We don't have to wait for a special word from God, gently whispered in our ear. All we need to know has already been revealed to us and it can be found in the pages of Scripture. We must learn to obey the good will of God by studying His Word, by being grounded and steadfast in it, by having it as the bedrock of our faith. We pray that He, that we might both know God's will as He revealed to us in His Word, and carry out the work we are called to do as willingly and faithfully as the angels in heaven. We have a long way to go with that. We have only made a small beginning of this obedience, but it is a beginning. And so we may press on in the power of the Holy Spirit, looking forward to the day when we will no longer struggle to both know and obey the will of God, when all will be clear and we will join the angels to live in perfect submission to the will of God. Amen.